My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to the Daily Oz. It is Friday, the 21st of October. I'm Sam. And I'm Tom. Today on the podcast, I wanted to have a chat to my good friend Tom, not necessarily about the Australian economy, but the world's economy. And the reason why is because there's an R word that just keeps coming up. And I need to know whether I'm freaking out for the right reasons or if it's all just going to blow over. The R word, of course, being recession, Sam. We'll talk about that in a moment. But first, to some headlines. Greens Senator Lydia Thorpe has resigned as the party's deputy leader in the Senate after she failed to disclose a relationship with a former bikey gang leader while she was serving on a parliamentary law enforcement committee that was receiving confidential briefings about bikey gangs. Thorpe said that she had made mistakes and not exercised good judgment and will now focus on her portfolio work in Parliament. Meanwhile, Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews has defended his handling of the pandemic in the wake of a new report which found instances of overreach in the government response to COVID-19. Andrews, who oversaw 262 days of lockdown in Victoria, said that decisions made during the pandemic, quote, were not made lightly and taken with very careful consideration. Private health insurer Medibank has confirmed customer data was stolen from them last week. Names, addresses and contact details of some Medibank members are said to have been taken in the breach, which was initially thought to have not taken any customer data from its network. And today's good news, we have some excellent sport ahead of us this weekend. Australia will begin its title defence of the Men's 2020 Cricket World Cup against New Zealand tomorrow night. The match will be a replay of last year's World Cup final, which saw Australia win its first T20 World Cup with an eight-wicket victory in Dubai. The tournament runs for four weeks, with a champion set to be crowned in Melbourne next month. Tom, today I want to talk to you about not just one economy, but the economy, the world economy. You did a video last weekend for us over on Instagram where you discussed some signs that the world is headed for a recession. In a broad sense, what are the kind of warning signs that you're looking at? Thanks, Sam. Pleasure to be here. So, I mean, there are a number of different bad things. We, we know there are lots of concerning things happening in the world at the moment. Rising prices, clearly one of them. We talk about this all the time experiencing it here in Australia. I've spoken on the pod before about how there's a price problem kind of all over the world when it comes to petrol, food, and a whole bunch of different things. Um, so that's one of the big risks. And it's not just the price rises itself that's creating a risk there, but the way that we respond to it. Because if you like, I guess the, the way that you can talk about price rises is they're kind of an economy that's overheating. And the way that we tend to respond to that is by trying to constrain our spending um, and try to pull those prices back. And that can kind of backfire, if you like. That can that can send an economy backwards. Um, you know, less spending can mean that businesses make less money, people lose jobs, and all that sort of thing. So that that's one concern. And there's also a bit of a concern going on in China. That's another thing we've been talking about recently. We had a whole episode chatting about all of the different things that are that are happening in in the Chinese economy. China's been 
you know, completely transforming itself over 30 years, entire cities being built. It's been booming in an economic sense and there's, there's a sense that that's coming to a halt. And so, so there are these kind of storm clouds gathering and I'm conscious of how, you know, dense and abstract economics can, can be sometimes. And so the way that I'm talking about this global recession, I guess the reason I use a phrase like storm clouds, I don't want people to think about a recession like it's this kind of like horrible medical condition that you can get diagnosed with. I think sometimes like we talk about recession, capital R, like it's this big thing and people don't feel they understand the thing. All that we mean when we're talking about the global recession is that the sum total of all of these problems that I'm listing to you are, are potentially threatening to create some bad outcomes that we care about. And so again, you know, rather than just using the word the economy, you know, the big threat is that we're going to see people lose their jobs, businesses go under, standards of living plummet. We're already seeing, you know, famine and all sorts of hunger problems. We're seeing countries sort of tear themselves apart. We're seeing governments fall over in countries like Sri Lanka and Lebanon because of this economic trouble. And so a recession's more like this kind of signpost of more of that kind of trouble on the way. Is there any sort of hangover from the pandemic that you're still considering or is it now more about China and Ukraine and some of these kind of more 2022 issues? Yeah, I think it is a lot more 2022. It's funny how quickly, um, obviously, you know, the pandemic, we still have COVID among us, but, but the way that we think about COVID and the role that it's playing in our lives has changed really quickly. There is a little bit of, of the aftermath of COVID in this. So in China in particular, they're still doing lockdowns and that sort of thing. And that's a big part of what's causing disruptions in China at the moment. Uh, but for the rest of us, it's kind of, you know, one one crisis gave us the seeds that grew the next crisis. So, you know, in America, for example, it was a lot of the the economic supports that, that were given, um, you know, during COVID that, that created kind of this frenzy of spending coming out of lockdowns that then fueled this this prices problem. So there's some linkages. But, yeah, it's really uh, – it's, it's been a pretty brutal – start to the 2020s for the world and, and you know, the COVID thing was was its own whole global recession. We did have obviously a massive economic fallout across the world apart from all the health consequences when COVID came along. But, no, this is really a fresh set of problems, um, you know, just when we thought we were getting clear of the last ones. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. And do you think if Australia remains somewhat insulated from the economic pressures and from a recession, that we would still feel the impacts of a global recession on our daily lives, even if it's not that bad at home? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's already, you know, we're already there, right? Like, I guess one of the things that comes out really clearly when you talk about the world economy is how interconnected it all is and how reliant we are on the rest of the world. Like who, who would have thought really that a war all the way over the, the other side of the world in Ukraine, a country that most of us probably didn't spend that much time thinking about, that that could create this kind of global famine issue in terms of, you know, wheat being restricted and that it could, you know, increase the prices at the petrol pump here in Australia. Like that's not something that's necessarily really intuitively obvious to people, the way that that works and how, you know, less gas and oil coming out of Russia has flow-on effects to us all the way over the other side of the world. And I think that just goes to show, you know, I mean, more and more the, the amount that we trade across the world, how economically reliant we are on one another and, and, and the way that the global economy is constructed means that we are always going to be vulnerable to, to, these, to these global storm clouds, not just to what's happening in Russia, but in a big way to what's happening in China and America. They're really important countries to us. And so things that happen over there, even even if Australia did absolutely everything perfectly here at home, uh, even if we were kind of perfectly getting on top of our rising prices problem kind of as soon as we can and our government and Reserve Bank did a great job, yeah, we, we're at the mercy of stuff that happens overseas uh, and, you know, pretty clearly 
that's coming for us and that's why you're hearing the Treasurer talk about what a difficult time it's going to be over the next little while, you know, that, that is just in a sense the way it works. And, you know, you think back to 2008 when there was a big global financial crisis and Australia technically avoided, um, you know, capital R recession, but we still had a tough time there. You know, it was still difficult. I don't know if people remember when they were in high school maybe, uh, you know, Kevin Rudd's stimulus checks, giving everyone money to go and spend and that kind of thing. It was a pretty difficult economic challenge that Australia had to get itself through at that point in time as well. So, yeah, you know, I think we should brace ourselves for, for a difficult year. You mentioned the Treasurer just then, and I want to end by asking you a question about Tuesday's budget, which I know that you're heading to Canberra for to do the kind of lock-up thing for TDA, and we'll be speaking to you a lot next week about that. But before I get there, is this all inevitable? Is it now not a matter of predicting if, but when? Oh, I mean, maybe. There are economists are divided on whether we'll actually have, again, I keep going back to the phrase capital R recession, but, but still that's a bit, it's a bit beside the point. Like whichever way you want to look at it, things are not great at the moment. There's there's obviously a lot of challenges that the whole world is facing. Australia doesn't have it the worst of the lot. We probably have, you know, a bit of a better run than, than most countries, but we're, you know, we're not immune. So it, it is inevitable in some sense that, that we're going to be challenged. And look, we're in a, we're in a good position in some ways. Unemployment's really low, you know, a very high proportion of people in Australia have jobs at the moment. Um, people had accumulated savings during COVID. Those things have us in good stead. There are other things that we're more concerned about, like the fact that wages haven't grown in a really long time. You know, so, so there are some some things that have us really well prepared to, to weather the storm and other things where we're not so well prepared. Uh, but yeah, certainly I think it is inevitable that it's going to be a difficult period, even if we don't officially have a recession. So let's look forward now to Tuesday night. How will you know when you're pouring over the budget docs that the government is particularly concerned about the global economic conditions? Well, I imagine they'll say it pretty clearly, to be honest, and I think it's going to form a big part of, of the budget. You know, if you give in to the sort of the stereotypes of the, the Labor Party and the coalition, people tend to expect, you know, Labor's the kind of party that might naturally want to spend on a bunch of new things and, um, you know, for example, I think of the rate of job seeker, the unemployment payment, where welfare groups have been calling for that to increase for a long time. And Labor, Labor politicians will say, yeah, we think that's a good idea. But at the moment they're saying, but we can't afford it. And that's kind of the, the immediate consequence of all of this global trouble. And that's what we're hearing a lot from the Treasurer is he's, he's saying, you know, all of these, these issues mean that we have to be a little bit careful, we have to make sure we're ready in case there's another crisis, in case we have to spend so we can't be too over the top with our spending now. We need to, we need to you know, tighten our belts a little bit. That's the language that he's using and that's clearly the way the government's positioning its strategy. Now there's, you know, you can get into whole debates about different tax cuts and different choices the government could make, but but certainly the context for this budget next week and how the, the global situation feeds into our budget is that, that the new Labor government is really concerned about, um, I guess, not wanting to commit to, to too many, you know, new spending ideas and to prepare ourselves, I guess, you know, it's like doomsday prepping in a sense, uh, preparing for the kind of money that we might need to spend in a, in a difficult situation over the next couple of years. So I guess we'll have a chat to you about the federal budget on Wednesday morning um, after you've spent a couple of hours without internet or any phone reception pouring over the budget papers. Tom Crowley, thank you for joining us on this Friday morning. 
Some storm clouds are gathering, but I'm glad that we've got you to hold an umbrella for us. <laughs> I don't know if I can actually do much to, to fight off the global storm clouds, Sam, but at least, I mean, it's spring now. So. Of course you can, Tom. That's why we've got you here. Of course you can. That's all we've got time for today on The Daily Oz. If you need some weekend listening, then definitely feel free to check out our other podcast that's at the top of the charts, The Mirror. It's a uh, sensational listen for a walk on a Saturday morning, raining or not. Until then, we'll speak to you uh, bright and early on Monday morning. Hold up. 